Praise God. Great to hear the fellowship. A church that has fellowship is a good church. Amen. Fellowship is so very much needed. I, I hate to have to stop it so we can move on with today, but we're at that time where, amen, we're going to get tapped into what God wants to speak this morning. We'll transition into praise and worship and move right into a mighty, mighty word of God. Amen. Why don't we all lift up our hands? Why don't we pray this morning and just ask the Lord to have his way. Let him freely do what he wants to do in this place. God, I believe that you have a word for me today, God. I believe that you want to speak to the the body of Christ today. God, let your anointing flow in this house. God, let... Let the vessel, God, be anointed and deliver the word as you've given it, Lord. God, have your way in this place, Jesus. I thank you. I praise you. God, I lift your name on high. I exalt you, Jesus. God, I thank you for what's going to transpire in here. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to pour into me, God. That way I can pour it out to other people, God, as I yield, as I... I'm obedient to your will, God, obedient to your calling and your purpose for me in my life, God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's clap our hands unto him. Amen. Praise God. Um, I have one scripture. I don't have anybody in the back today, but what we can do is open up our Bibles. Amen. To John 8 and 36. The setting of scripture, I'll expound on it later. But I want to open up with this this idea here, John 8 and 36, and it says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. You can be seated. The idea of being free, and not only just free, being in Jesus, that is what makes us free. There's no freedom like living for Jesus Christ. If you've never experienced what living for God is like, it's a freedom. It's a liberty. It's, you know, serving God is a paradox. It really is because as you're in the world and as you do the things in the world, you you allow yourself to be filled with with vices and, and different things of the world. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's, it's a really fun time. You know, you get to do what you want to do. You don't have to worry about nothing. But as soon as that season leaves, where the world is no longer a desire to you, you're empty and void and, and everything that, every weight that could possibly fall on you falls on you. And now you're in the place where I need something in me. I need, I have a void in my heart. I have an empty, empty place inside of me that needs to be filled. But the paradox of serving God is that when we serve Jesus, that very empty spot, that, that hole in your chest, that, that very weight and all those things that easily beset us just become null and void When we allow ourselves to be freed from the bondage of our flesh and we live our life for Jesus Christ. 
Amen. But when we begin to live our life for Jesus Christ, we begin to see that if I work, if I do things for the kingdom of God, all of a sudden I'm even more free. There's more liberty to do what God wants me to do. The more submitted I am to Jesus, the more free I am. What a paradox and what an what a interesting concept that is because what we are taught in this world is that if we are bound with the things of sin, if we allow ourselves to be filled with the things of the world, we call it freedom. But when we truly live a dedicated, 100% sold-out life for Jesus Christ, that is the greatest freedom we could ever receive in our whole life. Does it make sense? No. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. But when you allow yourself to trust God, amen, that's what faith is, is really trusting God when you have nothing else. Amen. You've been on the drugs. You've been on, on whatever it is. But the only thing that you can do is just, maybe I should trust in Jesus. Maybe this whole thing doesn't make sense. What do you mean I have to die? What do you mean I have to lay down my whole life for the cause of Jesus Christ? What does that even mean? But it takes faith to be able to just Try it. Just, just to be able to say, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe this is that missing thing that I've been uh, running away from my whole life. What is this, what is this thing that I've been uh, allowing myself to maybe just, oh, I'll just go this way. You know, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, Jesus, Jesus is good. God's been good to me. Kind of run around it. Before I started serving God, I'd go to youth group or whatever, but I wasn't there for God. I was there for girls. I would go to youth group and I, I would do all these things that were the exact opposite of what I should have been there for. But all this time later down the road, God has showed me that he's been there every step of the way. Even when I was living my life of sin, being inside the church, doing what I wanted to. But all this time later when I'm free from that sin. Free from the bondage, freedom in Jesus Christ living my life today. He still reminds me that he was there every single step of the way. And no longer am I bound by that sin. I'm not bound by the chains, the weight of going to church just looking for girls or just going to school just trying to scoot by and doing the minimum that I can. But understand this today, if we are in Jesus Christ, He's the one who makes us free. And He's the one who makes it a assured understanding that we will be free if we can allow ourselves to trust in Jesus. Just try Jesus. Just, just allow yourself just to, I'm hurting and I, <coughs> I got pain. I, I got all this stuff going on in my life. I don't know what to do. You got that empty hole, that void inside of you. I just would say, just try Jesus. I mean, when you got nothing else, Jesus is there. When, when you, ain't got, uh, you ain't got money, you ain't got food, you ain't got nothing, Jesus is still there. Jesus is still there even in the midst of doing the worst thing you could ever imagine because he's a holy God. He's a faithful God. He's righteous. And He's always looking after us, no matter what. Has anybody had a, a good father in their life? 
Jesus Christ is even greater than the greatest father that we could ever have. He's there when, when, you, make, when you make the big mistake and, and he says, it's okay, son, you just need to get back up and just come follow me. There's times when we mess up in our life and, and, all, and what that father says is just, just come trust in me. I, 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 I can just, I'm going to forget about it. I ain't going to hold it against you. Even the greatest fathers still have pride. Even the greatest fathers still have mistakes. Amen. Even the greatest fathers are still human beings. Amen. But our heavenly father He came. He went through the struggles that we went through. He manifested Himself in the man Christ Jesus. Went through everything that we went through and still yet without sin, without even messing up, without letting pride rise up, without letting all those things uh, beset Him from doing His Father's will. But what He did was give the greatest price for the greatest ability for somebody to be free, which is laying down his life for us. What a father we serve. What a God that we serve. Amen. Hallelujah. Last week, uh, we talked about liberty in our praise. Amen. Liberty in our worship to God. I didn't really get on to the worship aspect, but I talked about praise last week, and we learned that there are a a bunch of words in the Hebrew that allow us and let us know how we are to praise God, which is with a boisterous, loud noise. It might look foolish. It might look silly. Uh, It's dancing before God. It's lifting up our hands. Amen. It's... It's uh, lifting up our voice in the time when we need it. But today I want to open up with how powerful praise is with a story that we find in the book of Acts. Uh, I don't have anybody back there, but let's open up our Bibles to Acts 16. And we're going to start at verse 22 and go down to verse 32. Say amen when you got it. That's Acts 16 and 22. Amen. It says, And the multitude rose up together against them. This is Paul and Silas here. And it says, And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken And immediately all the doors opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing that the prison doors were open, he had uh, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners have fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And when he had called for a light, he sprang in and came in trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. 
and brought them out and said, Sirs, what I must do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house. Hallelujah. Praise and worship does mighty things. There are times, amen, when it might feel like we're in a physical prison. And all you can do is just praise God. Worship God in there because I've, I've never been behind bars myself, but I know there's a bunch of people in this church who have been behind bars and understands what it's like to be so confined that the only thing that you can do is live for God because the only thing as you're sitting there inside of that confinement, you gain an understanding of what it is really like to serve God in the hard times. Amen. It's so, it's so easy to forget how good we have it when we're just cruising along and just going through life and work's good, money's good, uh, family's good. We got all these things. We're, we're so blessed. We got the nice car and the nice house, but yet we allow ourselves to get so forsaken of our blessings that we have that we forget that Paul and Silas were inside of a jail, just got whipped and beat and all these things, and yet they were still in prison, lifting up their voice unto God, praying, and guess what God does? Guess how God responds to what the men of God were doing inside of that crisis, is that He allowed them to be freed from that jail because of their response to what just happened in their life. There are times in our life, amen, where we need some liberation, where we need some freedom, but that isn't going to come without a price of maybe lifting up our hands and just saying, hey, thank you, Jesus. Hey, things aren't easy right now, but I thank you, God, for allowing me to go through this and, and just pray and thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I need help out of this situation. Hey, God hears our prayers. He's not a, a, he's not a quiet God. He's going to answer by fire like we see in the Old Testament. Amen. He was the God who answered by fire and so much that we see in this situation with the foundation that when they praised when they prayed and praised God, it began to shake the foundation of where they were with the great earthquake, so much so that it shook the shackles off of the people, opened the doors, and they were free to go. Let me tell you this. God has done that for us today in the Spirit, that He has given us the ability, if we're just willing to just... Pray to God a little bit. Just lift up our hands and give us some praise. Amen. He's willing to free you from the bondage that you've allowed yourself to be in for so many years. Amen. When God frees a prisoner, that's something that happens for a lifetime. That's something that can last for eternity. Amen. If you're willing to stay free. If you're willing just to say, yes, Lord, I am willing to stay free. I'll put the drugs away. I'll put, I'll put all these things away. I just need your help, God. I just, I just need your strength in my life. I just, I, just need some, I just need some freedom in my life, God. I just need some help. 
I've been, I've been doing this for so many years. I've been doing that for so many years, God. And I don't know what it's going to be like when I just give it up. But I just got to put it into your hands and trust that you're going to free me from the spiritual prison and physical prison that I've been in for so many years. That's the kind of God that we serve if we're just willing to just say yes and lift up our hands and just give God some praise in the moment when it don't feel good, when it don't sound good, when it don't look good, when uh, we don't got no work, when, when work's slow and the car breaks down and uh, the tires are all popped on the side of the road and we don't have nothing to do. But guess what? I, I, just, I just feel like somebody just needs some liberty today. And in your situation that arises in this upcoming week or the next month or next year, that in that moment that you just lift up your hands, begin to praise God and pray and just, and just trust in God in that moment when things aren't good. And guess what? He might send an angel. We don't know what he's going to do. He might send somebody. The Bible says that there are times when we entertain angels unaware. Who knows who he's going to send? Who knows who God is going to bring in your midst, in your situation, when you're going through the struggle and the pain and the hurt on the side of the road, when you don't got an answer, but all you can do is just shake the foundation with praise. Just shake the foundation with worship. Just shake the foundation with all that you can do is just lift up your voice. Hallelujah. You ain't got money, but you sure got a voice. You ain't got, you ain't got things, but you sure got praise in your, in your spirit. You ain't got this and you ain't got that, but God is willing to receive that praise. Amen. And, and it's a type and shadow of the Old Testament sacrifices where they would sacrifice these animals as praise unto God. They would sacrifice these animals and drip out the blood and, and they would begin to burn that, that animal and it would smell good unto God. And what happens when we lift up our voice and just, and just pray in the, in the struggle and in the, the hard times that happen in our life? It's a sweet Sweet savor to God. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. God inhabits our praise. So when we lift up our voice and we shout unto God, guess what? He's going to show up. Hallelujah. What do we see with Elijah? He set up an altar ready for a sacrifice. But so much so that he pours water on it and says, yeah, you think your God's going to answer? You think your God's going to do something? Let me show you something right here. I trust my God this much. I'm going to set up an altar. I'm going to dump as much water and rocks and all these things on it that would defy, the, the, defy any sort of science that this stuff could light on fire. But guess what Elijah's God does is that he consumes that sacrifice even with the water on it, even with the stuff on it, even with the garbage on it, because Elijah trusts his God, and Elijah trusts him even when he has opposition, even when people don't like him, even when people say, oh, I don't like that guy. Hey, let me tell you this. My God is not a God who answers by fire. My God is willing even to consume the sacrifice of my praise even when I'm going through the struggle, even when I'm going through the hard times in life, my God is still going to consume uh, the sacrifice on my altar. And He's willing no matter what. 
He's that kind of God where He's willing to con- just consume us. Amen. If we make ourselves an altar before God and we get on our knees and we allow ourselves to pour ourselves out unto Jesus, you know what He's willing to do is consume us. He's willing to fill us with some fire. He's willing to, to give us some more ammunition, amen, against the enemy and against the, the things that are going to rise up because there are things that are going to come. There are things that are going to try and steal your freedom. There are things that are going to rise up and try to take the freedom that God has given you. But you know what my God's willing to do? You know, if you just serve Jesus Christ, He's willing to just consume the enemy. He's willing to, to take all the, the war out of, out, of your, out of your mitts. He's willing to just take it all and He's willing to just take it for Himself and say, oh, I'm, I'm willing to just sacrifice and, and take all this stuff and take the, uh, take the war f- from you. And I'm willing to just take that, that praise and worship and, <clears throat> and that prayer of warring in the Spirit and just taking victory because our God is so victorious in the book of Isaiah that it says that His train fills the entire temple. You know what a train is? A train in that time is a, it's a representation of all the flags of every enemy He's ever defeated. Every, every uh, logo, every, and they would take, uh, they, it, it was the, the king's robe, amen. That king had a robe on his back. That king had a robe on his back, and every king that he defeated, amen, he takes that representation of that nation and attaches it to his robe, and his robe gets so long that as he, as he walks around the sanctuary, that thing's dragging and pushing the chairs around and, and moving everything around, and, and before you know it, he has won so many victories... He has won so many victories. He has won so many victories that it fills the entire temple. But think about this. That's all the victories from past time and in the future. Because our God is before time, after time. Hallelujah. We are the temple of God. So that means God's victories are already abiding inside of us if we're willing to fight the battle and gain the freedom from winning the battle. Hallelujah. Some of us have just been struggling and and going through the, the motions and just going through things. Understand this, the victory is already inside of you. The victory is already in you. Hallelujah. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're the now physical temple where God dwells. In the Old Testament, God used to dwell in temples made with hands. He used to dwell in this thing called the tabernacle. And how the tabernacle was set up is it had a gate and there was a building inside of this gate. And you'd enter into this gate and you see these boxes, you see a thing of water and so how you have to enter in is there has to be a sacrifice you have to burn it and as you're done you go into the laver of water you wash off you get all cleaned up symbolizing baptism and then you get into the building and there's all these different artifacts there's some candlesticks there's some incense there's things that smell good to God there's a table of showbread So you see all these things, but the interesting thing with understanding how the temple is set up is that there's only a certain amount of people 
who can enter into that building. It's only the people who are the priests. But there's only one person, one time a year, who can enter into the back of this building called the Holy of Holies. And there's a veil that separates the inside of that building to the back wall of that building. And where that back wall is, there's the veil. And then inside of the back wall is this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is where these uh, multiple different uh, uh, things of God. It has the manna. It has Aaron's rod that budded. It has all these different things. It has the, uh, the, the tablets Amen. But the most important thing is that the Spirit of God dwells inside of the Holy of Holies. God did all of that as a type and shadow for Jesus to come, manifest Himself in in flesh as Jesus Christ died on the cross. And so now God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, but God is abiding inside of us. God would dwell inside of this amazing uh, tent-like structure. Later, it was, it was called uh, Solomon built this temple, and it was beautiful, and, and it was, uh, had marble and all these different things. They had to build it a specific way. They couldn't use any power tools. They, they couldn't use any of this stuff. It would be impossible, almost impossible to build today. Are they going to do it? Yes, there's going to be a third temple that's built in Jerusalem. You can hold me to it because the Scripture says it, all right? With all that crazy stuff going on right now, who, who would ever think, oh, they're going to build another temple in Jerusalem? No way, no way. But let me tell you this, the Word of God's true. The Word of God says what's going to happen is going to happen. Amen. But think about how special we are as the people of God who used to dwell in those beautiful temples, but now is willing to work on us to dwell inside of me, to dwell inside of you, to do all that work to give you freedom to be able to live this life for Him. Hallelujah. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was said that in the temple, that veil that covered the Holy, the holy of Holies was literally torn and thrown away. Why is that? Because it's finished. It's done. Jesus Christ now was able to take part of that tree of life and then give it freely to everybody else because He was that perfect, perfect, sinless sacrifice. Amen. So now the veil, the covering, the covering of the Holy of Holies was torn down and now is available to everybody. It's not just for the high priest for one day a year. It's not just for the the high priest or Aaron and his family to be able to dwell inside of that temple. No, no, no. But now God freely offers it to us because He did the work. Come on, He did the work. I can't earn it. There's nothing that I can do. I cannot fulfill the, the law. I cannot fulfill those rules that were in the Old Testament. I just can't. Are we supposed to hold the Ten Commandments? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, but God has given us the ability today freely to be able to have liberty, to have freedom from bondage, to be able to give ourselves to Him. Now it's not temple work. Now it's not uh, going and doing all these things and 
going and dipping in the mitvah and, and every seven days having to cleanse yourself and do all these things and all this crazy stuff that could never be fulfilled anyways. That's what the scripture says, that the law could never be fulfilled by man. And that's why God gave it for a specific purpose, showing that there had to be a perfect Savior that could fulfill the law. And that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross as he fulfilled the law that God had given because God had a plan all the way where it says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created. So that lets me know that God had a plan. And what was that plan? That we could have liberty as humanity. Adam and Eve were in the garden. Adam and Eve had freedom. Adam and Eve had everything that they could ever wanted. But let me tell you this today, that in Jesus Christ is everything that we could ever want. Everything that we could ever want is in Jesus Christ. But what was the thing that separated us? What was was the veil between us and God? Sin was the thing that happened. Sin was the thing that separated Adam and Eve from God. All of a sudden, when sin came into the picture, they were kicked out of the garden. The tree of life was, was guarded. And now... Everything was different. Now everything was not the same. Now there was a separation between God and humanity. All of a sudden there's a veil, a covering from them to be able to communicate with God. Has anybody ever been in a place where it feels like you're just hitting a brick wall or you just can't talk to God or you feel like He's never given you an answer before? Let me tell you this, that there is a freedom understanding what Jesus Christ did for you and I. There is so much freedom and liberty understanding that that Jesus Christ did what He did so He could reestablish what He had with Adam and Eve in the garden with you and I today. In the garden, they had everything that they could eat. The only thing that they had to do was cultivate the garden. That's it. That's the only thing they had to do. The only thing they had to do is cultivate the garden. Matthew 11, 29 through 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It takes a lot of work to cultivate a garden. It takes a lot of work to... But that's all that God gave Adam and Eve to do. That's all they had to do. Just cultivate a garden. All they had to do is just watch for the weeds. Pull. Well, there wasn't weeds then. They didn't have to worry about it. They didn't have to worry about the little things. They didn't have to worry about messing up. They didn't have to worry about anything. The only thing they had to worry about was cultivating the garden and not eating of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. That's all they had to worry about. Imagine living a life where the only thing that we had to worry about was not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and just taking care of that garden. Adam didn't have to have sweat from his brow. It wasn't hard work. It was like doing the cherry work, just brushing along, just sweeping, sweeping, sweeping. Anybody been a laborer before? All you do is just sweep all day. So I can just think, imagine it, just Adam just all day, just doing nothing, just doing some easy job, but it takes some hard work understanding how heavy sin is. It's some heavy work. Sin is a heavy thing. Sin is something that creates a weight 
Sin is something that creates something so heavy that it creates this thing called a yoke in our life. And sin is this yoke of bondage that just holds us down. And when you think about Adam cultivating the garden, he was kicked out from his job. He was, he was separated from what he was supposed to do in the garden, kicked out and said, here you go, go on the rocks and do your thing, Adam, because you didn't listen to me. God's going to do that sometimes. God's going to be hard sometimes. And, and But we have to realize that He's still going to be faithful even when we feel like God's being hard on us. David says that he glories God in his affliction. There are going to be afflictions that come in our life. And, and is it going to be easy? No, no. Affliction's not easy to deal with. Affliction's hard. It's, it's, it's not the fun thing to go through. Oh, your family member has cancer and affliction in your life. And I'm sorry that happened. And I'm sorry for it. But God is still good in it. Even if he doesn't heal you from your cancer, guess who you get to see? I get to see Jesus. Yes. I get to go on to my reward yes. and understand yes. that my God is still faithful. Even when going through the affliction. Even when going through the hard things. Even when going through the struggle. But what does he say? My burden's easy. My yoke's light. Adam is now in a place where he's outside of the garden and he's having to sweat and understand, man, this is really hard work. This isn't, this isn't what I wanted. This is really tough. This is really difficult. I have to, I have to pick at the dirt and, and plant these things in the ground and, and all of a sudden stuff rises up and there's thorns and thistles all over the place and animals trying to eat me. Like, what do I do, God? What do I do? Does anybody feel like that sometimes? I do. What did I do, God, to deserve this? You were born and shaped in iniquity. That's what happened. I was born and shaped in iniquity in this world. Every person born after Adam and Eve were born and shaped in iniquity because of their decision. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden's light. He's going to take all the weight off your shoulders. Hallelujah. Adam's sitting there. Adam's sitting there, not even understanding that there's just going to be Jesus someday. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the second Adam, and he fulfilled the very thing that Adam was supposed to do. He fulfilled the very thing that Adam could have done in his life, which was just be obedient to his father. That is what an easy yoke is. That's what a light burden is, is obedience. Like I opened with, it's a paradox serving God. Does it always make sense? Nope. Does it always make sense that I have to go through hard things? Nope. But think about Adam. Think about Adam. He had it good. He had, it. He had everything that he wanted and fell away. God has given every single one of us in this place the ability to fulfill the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life by repentance, by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remissions of our sins and receiving the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that's being born again. We have to be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. We have to go through that. Amen. Is it, is it easy? Is it work? It's easy. And it's not work. All I'm doing is allowing God to say, hey, my burden's easy. My yoke's light. 
hey, I just need you to follow me. That's what God's saying. He's just, follow me. That's it. All he's saying is, just follow me. Has anybody ever followed somebody in a car and, and, you, uh, and you're not very good at following people in a car and all of a sudden you lose them and they're down the road and then now they're stopped at the side of the street waiting for you? That's a good person that you're following if they're stopped in the they're front of you. And that's how it is following Jesus Christ. There's going to be times where we, we get away from, from following him in that car, and, but he's just pulled over in the side, just, just, just sitting there saying, hey, hey, I'm right here, flagging you on the radio saying, hey, I'm right here, I'm right here in the Holy Ghost. And we can forget what it's like to just even tap into to hearing the voice of God. Or we get so far away that we forget what it's like to, to hear the voice of God. And all of a sudden, he says, here, son, come here. I'm right here just parked on the side of the road just waiting for you. Ready for you to just come and receive the freedom that I, that I gave you all the way in the beginning. And that's what God had done with Adam and us today. Is that Adam experienced it. He had freedom, but he lost it. Adam had freedom, but he lost it. God hasn't called you to experience freedom and to lose it. Galatians 5 says that we are to not use occasions of the flesh as an excuse for liberty in God. Why experience the good and just get kicked out of it and and allow yourself to be disobedient, and then all of a sudden, now your salvation's at risk. I don't want my salvation at risk. I want to be assured that I'm going when God calls me home. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised to take another breath. But His yoke is light. His burdens, an easy, light thing, ready ready just to be taken, driving down the road and following Him. That's what it's like when you just begin to serve Jesus Christ 100%. You just get in that car and you just follow Him. He might go left, He might go right, but it's my job just to be obedient and be willing to go down the road and just keep following Him. He makes a stop at the nice, beautiful Columbia Gorge, and you get to stop with him and take a look at how beautiful, how beautiful the calling of God is, how beautiful the, uh, the riches of his glory are, how beautiful the, the, the promise that he has for us is. You know, God just reminds us sometimes as we're serving him, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be, it's going to be worth it, but understand this, son, it's not going to be easy. Hallelujah. But when we have the right perspective, That's what makes it easy. He says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you believe that? Are you getting burnt out serving God? Are you getting burnt out with the burden of having to teach Bible studies? Oh, no, I'm just trying to help people get to heaven. It's too hard for me. His yoke is so easy. Working for God is just a byproduct of what He's done for us. You know what a yoke is? A yoke is a thing that two oxen would have on their shoulders and has a almost like a 
uh, has a hole in the middle, and those two oxen would hold that yoke together. They'd be hand in hand, moving together, you could say, with the yoke on their shoulders. But if one oxen is, he has a limp or he's got a problem, all of a sudden that yoke gets heavier. All of a sudden that work gets harder. All of a sudden, all of a sudden he's falling down and, and now you're not even moving at all. And, and understand that as we move, we're not moving by myself. You're not moving by yourself. It's you and Jesus together under that yoke. Sitting on your shoulders, just moving together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, just moving together with, with that yoke on your shoulder. Do I trip and fall sometimes? Yeah, but he just sits there. He says, my burdens, my burdens light, my yoke's easy. Just, just keep holding on. Just keep holding on. Don't forget about what I've done. Don't forget about all the things that I've done for you. Don't forget about what I've called you to do in the future. Don't forget about what I've, what I've showed you, what I, all those visions, the dreams that I've given you, all these different things that I've called you to do in your life. Just don't forget about them. Just get back up and just keep moving. Why? Because my burden is light. Because my yoke is an easy thing. Hallelujah. But if we're not carrying a, a yoke in the first place, if we're not bearing the work, if we're not bearing the thing that God's called us to do, how is His burden light and His yoke easy? Hallelujah. God has called us to work for His kingdom. It's no surprise that it's no surprise that it's going to take some work to get to heaven. Is it in the sense that uh, Oh, I have to do works of the law to get to heaven? Absolutely not. But what it does take is obedience. It takes obedience to get to heaven. The denominal world will tell you, oh, that's a work. Uh, yeah, you don't even have to believe. You just get to go to heaven because it's, it's freely given. It's not what the book of Hebrews tells me. It tells me that Abraham was justified by being obedient to the will of God in his life. That's not a work. That's just doing what God has asked us to do. What did he ask? What did Jesus do? I came to do the will of my Father, not my own. It's not a work just doing good things for the kingdom of God. Understand that. It's not you're trying to earn the kingdom of God. I'm just trying to get other souls to go with me to heaven. Hallelujah. If you're struggling teaching Bible studies, understand this. It's not about how you can teach them, but it's about what God can do through you to reach them and keep them and take them to heaven with you. God's going to change people. If they don't look holy, so what? If they don't look righteous, so what? Just keep teaching them Bible studies. Just keep showing them the plan. Just keep showing them the thing that God has given us to do, which He's called each and every single one of us in Acts 1.8 with the Acts 1.8 power of the Holy Ghost to reach what? Every single edge of this earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if I'm not carrying a yoke and working for the kingdom of God... There is going to be no work. There is going to be no wait. There is going to be no thing because I'm just on the, I'm just on the side. 
letting everybody else do the work. I'm just, I'll just let pastor teach Bible studies. I'll just let uh, Brother George teach Bible studies or, or whoever. I'll just let them do it. I'll just, I'll just sit on the sideline. I'll, 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 I'll play my tinkling cymbals and, and, be, uh, and be in the way of the church and, and, and just be a, a busy body and allow myself to take myself to hell because I'm not willing to do the will of my Father. But you know what the Bible says? There are going to be people in the end time who are going to say, Lord, Lord. But what does he say? I never knew you. That's only for the people who are willing to do the will of my Father. Are you willing to do the will of God today? Hallelujah. Those people were people of the name. It says that they casted out devils in the name of Jesus. It says that they did miracles in the name of Jesus. It says that they prophesied in the name of Jesus. This world is not a people of the name of Jesus. Denominalism is not generally a people of the name of Jesus. But as apostolic, Pentecostal, blood-bought believers, amen, we are people of the name But if we are not willing to do the will of the Father, we're going to say, Lord, Lord, in the end, and He's going to say, I never knew you. I don't want to hear those words. I just want to do the will of my Father. Just like Jesus said, I'm not here to to do my will. I'm not here to do in the flesh Jesus' will, but I'm here to do the will of my Father. That's what brings freedom. If you don't have liberty in your life, just begin to do the will of the Father. Amen. It's a thing in Pentecost where the will of the Father is a uh, oh, glorified, crazy idea or aspect. But it's just pretty simple. He's just called you to keep moving in that car and just keep following Him. What does that mean? Teaching Bible studies. That means going and, and just offering yourself on the altar of God saying, Lord, I am willing to do whatever You ask me. That might be uh, clipping the grass or plugging in the speakers or pressing a button on the computer be able to show the words on the screen for the people who've never been here before to, to sing the words. It can be just going to Safeway and, and God saying, hey, I need you to talk to this specific person. And that That's obeying the will of the Father. Driving in that car and getting behind Jesus and going left when He turns left. When He goes straight, keep going straight. When He's he's pulling the e-brake and He's stopping real hard just to to be able to reach somebody, pull that e-brake and just reach down. There's souls in this city. There's souls in, in all of our lives. Every single one of us has a different sphere of influence, of people right now that you could go teach a Bible study to tomorrow that you're not willing to go teach a Bible study to because of, uh, I need to make money or I need to do this. We're getting, time's getting really short. There's a war happening in Israel right now. That hasn't happened since 1940 in the extent that it's happening today. We don't know when Jesus is coming soon. If it's a pre-tribulation rapture, hallelujah. Get us out of here, Lord. I'm ready to go. I've been doing what I need to do, Lord. I'm just ready. I'm ready to go. I have confidence and I have freedom and I have liberty in what I've been doing for the kingdom of God because I know 
that there are people in this church, there are people around this world who are willing to say, yes, God, I just want to do your will. Let's stand in this place. Thank you, Jesus. God, help us to be ready, Lord. Help us to be ready, Jesus. God, with an open heart, open hands, Jesus. Open arms, willing, God, to just bear your burden. Take upon your yoke, God, just to take upon that the weight of whatever it is just serving you, God. If that's just teaching a Bible study or, or just doing whatever, Lord, just, just do it in me, Lord. Don't let my flesh rise up, God, but let me operate in the liberty and freedom that you've given me to operate in, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's, let's clap our hands unto Him. Hallelujah. We're going to be uh, dismissed for a short break, and we're going to go right into worship. If you want to pray, these altars are, are open, and we're going to be, begin to pray in Jesus' name. Thank you.